You're listening to Too Precious to Perish's Real Talk. I'm your host, Rachel. Join me as I shine light on topics that matter through crafted teachings to encourage, empower, and inspire. Let's get bold. Hello, I'm so happy that you are here. Yes, that's right. I'm talking to you because I believe that this is a word for you and literally everybody. This is going to change your life and your perspective and the way you see how God uses our ruins. When you see something ruined, when you see a mess, when you see something destroyed, something teared down, something just in pieces, after listening to this, you're going to not see the pieces, the ruins, the messes. You're going to see something completely different because you know what God can do. So let's get to it. I am discovering my love for the book of Nehemiah. It is quite incredible. I noticed a few key things here that are so relevant to our lives today. Nehemiah is so relatable. As Christians, we are called to question, take action, prepare, start, and let God finish. I'm going to say that again. As Christians, we are called to question, take action, prepare, start, and let God finish. First thing he does is Nehemiah asks questions. Now, notice his questions are concerning the well-beings of others and not himself. He carries a boldness in him to ask hard questions. He asks about the recent exile in Jerusalem and the remaining Jewish people that survived. So he again, he's asking a question that has something to do with other people, doesn't have to do directly with him. And when he heard the news, he wept when he heard the current reality and condition of Jerusalem. In order for God to use us, we have to first be selfless. He didn't ask out of compassion for others. So this is where it starts to already get important. So just to clarify, I dove right in and I started from Nehemiah 1 and I just went all the way through. And this is what I got from some this is what I got from the beginning passages and it just spoke out and stood out to me so much because I have personally stood in ruins, stood in my own messes, other people's messes, and just felt extremely defeated. But we don't have to feel defeated. We can be instead like Nehemiah. So he asked about the recent exile in Jerusalem and the remaining Jewish people that survived. When Nehemiah heard of the current reality and condition of Jerusalem, guess what he did? He wept. He cried. In order for God to use us, we have to first be selfless. If he didn't ask out of compassion for others, God would have not had the opportunity to place an assignment in Nehemiah's heart. Nehemiah takes action by immediately praying, pleading with God. He mourned, fasted, and prayed, not just for one day, but a number of days after hearing about the reality and condition of Jerusalem. Something we get news of takes time to get a true hold of. Some news we bear 
has to be taken to the feet of Jesus time and time again, day after day, because some of the news that's coming in, and I'm talking our daily news, not news from the news medias, but from just our day-to-day life, the, the things that we hear, the things that are going on, our current realities, they can be a lot, they can be heavy, and they can be very real. So like I said, some news that we bear has to be taken to the feet of Jesus time and time again, day after day, because it's so hard. God doesn't call us to carry it. That's why Jesus was carrying the cross, because he wants us to give it all to him, all the pain, all the hurt, everything to him. So Nehemiah pleads to God in Nehemiah 1.8. He says, Please remember what you commanded your servant, Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I choose to dwell my name. So, Those are the words of God. And we know that anything God says is for sure and can completely be trusted. So he says that he will gather them from there, from the scattered, from the banished places and bring them to the place where God chooses to dwell his name. Nehemiah continues on to declare the Lord's redeeming power and strong hand. Nehemiah asked the Lord for the Lord's compassion before returning to his daily position. Now, Nehemiah is a cupbearer for the king during this time. At first, I had no clue what that was until I looked it up. And a cupbearer doesn't sound like a crazy job, but apparently it was very important. A cupbearer was in charge of serving the king wine and drinks. Now, a cupbearer doesn't sound like a crazy job, but apparently it was important. In this case, let's say it's like working in a bakery at Costco. Every single morning, the manager came to you for a muffin and you smiled big when you handed it to him. Then one morning, like usual, the manager comes to you for his morning muffin, but notices your smile is missing and something is possibly wrong. But because you were always faithful to serve and you did your job well, it gave you the favor when you needed it. Something similar happens to Nehemiah, where his daily position allowed for him to put in a big request with the king. When the king asked Nehemiah, Why are you sad when you are not sick? He shares with both the king and queen his request to send him to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so I may rebuild it. The Bible says in Nehemiah 1.3 that Nehemiah was told the remnant who survived are in great trouble. It, It says that Nehemiah, when he had asked so selflessly what was going on in Jerusalem, He was told that the remaining who survived are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall had been broken down and its gates burned down. Nehemiah could have heard the news and thought, eh, at least I'm okay. Or it has nothing to do directly with me or it isn't affecting me. But that is not who God calls us to be. God calls us to have compassion and take action. The news of the pain and suffering 
weighed on his heart. This got me thinking about how I feel when I hear about children being trafficked or the unborn being killed. My heart becomes so heavy, but longs to make a difference. Let us not be hearers of the word, just like the Bible says, let us not be hearers of the word, but doers. That's what Nehemiah does. I love that. He's a doer of the word. He heads out to make a difference. And I love that God always makes a way for us. He gives us the favor when we need it and the courage to set out. And then something else amazing happens. So the king allows him to go. And the king also writes letters on behalf of Nehemiah so that he may arrive safely. And the king also sent officers and the cavalry with him. Now that is favor. Don't forget of how this all started. It started with compassion in his heart for others. The Bible tells us that Nehemiah starts preparing for the rebuilding by first inspecting the ruins of where the one wall once was. So there he is looking at this mess, looking at ruins, looking at what used to be, but he didn't lose hope. He saw it all in pieces, but he didn't lose hope. Just because something looks hopeless doesn't mean it is. Nehemiah 2, 11 and 12 says, for three days, I got up at night and took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. So each night, Of those three nights, he got up and he was preparing for what God was doing. He was preparing his heart. He was preparing in his mind. He was coming up with a strategy. And then I just, you know, I just love that. How many times has God spoken to us specifically or given us a specific assignment and we shared it with someone or with many people even? And We just don't get the reaction that we thought that we would because they just didn't see the vision through the lens that God gave us specifically for us. Not everything God shares with us is to be shared with others at that time. You know, um, sometimes those visions are special just for us. And those assignments are our assignments, not theirs. And I mean, of course, don't get me wrong. It's okay to share. But Don't be sharing when you should be busy preparing. I wonder what would have happened if Nehemiah actually did share what God has put on his heart. He could have gotten bad advice or if the word would have gotten out sooner than God wanted and his enemies might have heard, right? So before any work had been done, you know, a wise woman or man isn't going to shout, look what I am going to do. Look what I am doing when you know that you're going to have people against it. You don't, a wise person just wouldn't do that. Maybe somebody with a big ego would, but not somebody who's humbled at the feet of Jesus and on a specific assignment that God has called them to. But I mean, come on, just look how sought out Jesus was even when he was just a baby. He wasn't even a threat to all their evil agendas then. I guess directly a threat to their evil agendas because we know, we know what Jesus did. But some plans are baby plans, not ready to be shared. And that's okay. Instead of seeing all the work ahead of him and turning back and going home after visiting the ruins, Nehemiah declared to the people, let's start rebuilding. The Bible says that this encouraged the people. I know personally that I am encouraged by a leader who is able to stand on ruins and see the victory. God calls us to see past the ruins, past the mess, past the temporary defeat. And he, 
this is the most amazing part. He says, let's start. That's all we need to do is start. That's where God begins. As believers of the word, we need to be able to see something hopeless, but declare his goodness and start. Now, that's when the battle begins. I hate to, you know, break it to you. But in Nehemiah 6, it says that the enemies heard that Nehemiah had rebuilt the wall and that no gap was in it. Though at the time, he still had not installed the doors at the gates. But that's okay. And, you know, there will always be intimidation when you're doing the work of the Lord. Don't be bullied or allow yourself to shift or change or pivot your assignment just because the enemy hears and sees what God is doing in your life. There are times that God gives us the opportunity to rebuild. We are so blessed and so fortunate because of God's grace. There are times that God gives us the opportunity to rebuild, whether that's rebuilding our lives, our marriages, our families, our trust, or ourselves. God is a father of restoration, new beginnings, and second chances. It says in the Bible, his enemies sent a message to Nehemiah saying, come on, let's meet together. But they were planning to harm me. Not everyone who notices your work, make a note of this. Not everyone who notices your work will be good. Not everyone who appears to have good intentions does. This is where godly wisdom comes in. These men were already being described as enemies. I just love so much about Nehemiah. It's just so encouraging to me personally, and I know it will be for you too. So his response to his enemies who are like, you know, come on, let's meet together. His response is, I am doing great work and cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? What I noticed here was that when the enemy speaks to us or calls for us, in order for him to do so, we have to lower ourselves from where God has us. We have to go down to meet him. The enemy is persistent. If you think for one second that the enemy will take your first no, second no, third no, no. It may take you four times standing your ground, staying placed where God has you and seeing those invitations from the enemy for what they are. Perhaps on the fifth time, you know, the enemy's getting fed up over there and rumors have come out to intimidate you. Nehemiah 6, 8 goes on to say how his enemies sent a letter full of lies and rumors full of intent to have nations and even the king who first sent him to come against him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. When you are facing opposition against something God has called you to do and build, it is vital that you cover yourself in prayer. You double up in the areas that you are vulnerable. It says in the Bible that the men brought their weapons who were with Nehemiah even when they were washing. This goes to show that we always have to be on guard. We always have to be ready because the enemy is a sneaky, sneaky snake. And especially when we're called and we're doing God's work, which is everybody's called. So we all need to be on guard and ready at all times. So prayer is vital, absolutely vital. So prayer is totally vital. How you handle rumors and lies and attempts to tear you down and all that God is doing is also very important. So what I got from Nehemiah's way of handling these things, you and I, we don't have to get nasty or respond out of fear when the enemy tries to come against us. We also don't have to ignore them. But we can respond 
to the enemies who try to come against us with the truth in a polite but stern way. As we do this, we're going to hold on to the promises that God has given us. Philippians 1, 6 says, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's going to finish what we have started together in alliance with God. He's going to finish it. He just needs us to start it. He just needs us to have the compassion. He just needs us to care. He just needs us to step out in faith and he will be there to carry it through and protect us from our enemies who have tried to come against us, but we don't have to fear. Nehemiah doesn't waste any more time on these guys. He isn't responding out of fear or intimidation. Nehemiah isn't responding with, you know, text novels and wasting, you know, writing them over and over, going back and forth. No, Nehemiah responds and continues to work on what the Lord has given him. How many times do you think that we, you and I have second guessed ourselves when the enemy has come against us? You know, the first time the enemy comes and knocks on what God is doing in our lives, we might be firm, but when he comes again, you might start to question. But when he comes again, you might start to question. When the enemy comes to question what you are doing over and over again, you might be like, oh my gosh, Lord, come on. Like, I thought you gave this to me. Should I be doing this? Should I not be doing this? Or, you know, that God, they said they're going to do this to me if I keep doing this, what you told me to do, but I want to honor you. I want to keep your word. I know you gave me this promise, God, but come on, these guys, they won't, they won't let up. Like what is going on, God? But you know, there were many attempts to intimidate Nehemiah from doing the Lord's work. One thing that I notice here is that the enemy isn't coming to Nehemiah as a ravenous beast. They are people who are sending invitations for Nehemiah to meet with them. If I'm not mistaken, invitations are welcoming and exciting to get, you know? Some of us listening may have not gotten many invitations over the course of our lives, or maybe no one has ever noticed your work, and now you're finding delight when someone invites you to a place that you're not meant to go. Come on, somebody, come on. You know, one of us has been there. So Nehemiah doesn't allow himself to feel bad for denying the enemy's request, invitation, I should say. He wasn't insecure and he wasn't flattered by the invitation, even though it was an invitation, but it was an invitation from his enemies. He would have been harmed. The work he was doing would have ceased. More importantly, the work God was doing through Nehemiah would have stopped. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants us to stop all that God is both building and rebuilding in our lives. He doesn't want God using us or taking us higher. No, the enemy calls for us. But in order to give him permission in our lives, we have to lower ourselves and go down to him. That is so important to remember that an invitation is a request. It is not a requirement. And we have the ability to choose, hey, I am going to let this get to me and affect what God is doing, or I am simply going to deny the enemy politely, no, my God has called me. That would cause me to stop all the work that God has called me to do. I am not coming down to you. 
We often forget that the enemy speaks from his position, knowing full well that anything you are doing with the Lord is above him. I really felt God saying this to us today. Do not be intimidated when the enemy calls for you. You must remember the enemy's character. He does not like to see God rebuilding. The enemy destructs. God reconstructs. Do not question the work that the Lord has you doing just because the enemy has come against you, friends. As you stand your ground, deny the enemy and be aware of his tactics. Nehemiah says, For they were all trying to intimidate us, saying they will be discouraged in the work and it will never be finished. But now my God strengthened me. That's what Nehemiah is saying. He knows what the enemies are doing. They're trying to discourage him and they're trying to stop the work. But he knows who his God is and that he's going to strengthen him. That's all the enemies got, friends, is discouragement in his back pocket. That is his plan. If I can get them discouraged enough, it says right there that the work will never be finished. Although that it is not necessarily a truth because it is a statement that doesn't come from God himself. That's what the enemy uses as a tactic time and time again. I believe full well, even if we've allowed the enemy to discourage us in the past and allowed us to get so down that we stopped participating in what God is doing in our lives. You know, God always has the God always has the ability to swoop in, pick us up and place us where we need to begin again. I'm not sure where you're at right now. If you're doing the work that God has specifically called you to do in this season, but do not be discouraged. If you have the enemy sending you invitations to come and get on his level, do not go. And if you have responded to the enemy's invitation of defeat and discouragement, it is not an agreement that you have to stay in. It is God that takes us out from the enemy's snare. It is God that uses ruins to rebuild. It is God that protects. It is God that protects us as he directs us. It is God that gives us both the strength and the discernment to deny the calls of the enemy. So we must keep building. We must stay focused. We need to stop looking at the rebuilding process and start looking at it more like the opportunity that it is. Sometimes God leads us to messes, messes we didn't even have anything to do with, but he entrusts us with a God-given mission. You may have cried out to God, use me, and it may not look like you thought it would or in the way that he would use you. Uh, He doesn't always give us a fresh sheet of paper and crayons. Sometimes he gives us the ruins to start with Sometimes he gives us the broken crayons and we have to figure out, okay, how am I going to put this back together? This is all so he may be glorified and magnified through it all. Sometimes God leads us to messy things, but once we look through the mess and focus on the promise, the mess disappears and God shows up. Sometimes Sometimes we just have to start and trust that God will protect us, lead us, and provide for us as we step out in faith. We can start as a mess or with a mess, our fault or not. That's all God needs us to do is start. We have to remember that he's just waiting for us to start because you know what God has put on your heart. And now, friends, I feel like the Lord is just telling us this is the season to start. This is your season to start. 
just as Nehemiah, do not lower yourself to the calls of the enemy and do not come into agreement with discouragement. You will finish because God is the author of it all. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He just calls us to start and God will finish the fight, the good fight. He will finish what he starts in you. So ask questions and allow God to lead your heart to compassion. Don't just stand by knowing full well that God has called you to make a difference, but instead have the courage to take action, prepare in prayer and petition, asking God for his perfect wisdom and will, and finally start and let God finish. I hope you enjoyed today's talk. Would you please do me a favor and just share this with somebody? If this really resonated with you, if this got you fired up, I would love for you to leave a review and let me know how it encouraged you, your thoughts, any of it, because you matter and it all matters. And as you know, this is just me stepping out in faith, being obedient to what God has called me to do personally. Um, So here I am starting this podcast. You know, the basis and the foundation of it is the ruins of my life. And God has just so graciously rebuilt me. And I am no, I'm not just a rebuild, but I am made new. And that is just like you. And he can use our ruins and he can make them glorious and be glorified through it all. Everything of our past, he is the finisher. And I am just so excited that you are here. I consider you family, a friend, a sister, a brother. This podcast I made for you. I really did. And My whole point and my purpose is just to touch your heart and to encourage your walk and set your feet on fire to go chasing after God even more. So that's it. That's all I have for today. I encourage you to open up your Bible and start reading Nehemiah because it is good. All right. Love you. Have a great and awesome day. And I will see you next for a testimony talk. Woohoo! You can support all that God is doing through Too Precious to Perish by visiting TooPreciousToParish.com. You can partner with Too Precious to Perish. You can also become a monthly sponsor or a one-time sponsor. But either way, just know that together, God can use us even more.